Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to Shelf Logic. This is Jen and Caroline from Southeast Regional Library. And today we are going over a fun sort of topic. It is one and two, one book we've read, and two we're going to read. It's going to be on our to be read list. Um, is that what it's to read pile? Yes, my to read pile. And if, um, I, at least I'm going to reference it, I don't know if you will, but. Just for context, I will be referencing my Goodreads to read shelf. Um, If you're not familiar with Goodreads, it is a website where you can basically build out like a virtual bookshelf and keep track of the things that you have read and things you want to read. So if you are interested in that, that's definitely something to check out and definitely something to help you keep your books organized. That's like my biggest obsession. Yes, I recently uh, got back into my Goodreads account because I haven't logged in in like a couple oh. of years. So it's all very old books. And it says that I'm in the middle of a book that I'm not in the middle of anymore. <laughs> so, but yeah, Goodreads is fun. Yes. It's awesome. And these are on my Goodreads to read list now. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want right. me to start? Do you want to kick it off? Uh, yeah, I will kick it off. Yay. So, and I was talking to Caroline about this for a second earlier today. Um, Sometimes you don't have a ton of time to read, and sometimes you are looking for books uh, based off of how long they are. This is true. This is what happened with this book that I have in my hand right now, and I'm so glad that it did, because it's a novella, and it's by, and forgive me, it's P. DeJelly Clark. Um, It's called The Black God's Drums, and it is really a good book. I would would just say check it out and read it, because it literally does not take long at all. Um, it is, it's hard to describe. It's about a lot of things, um, which is wild because you don't think like, oh, can you really like sew in like this much information into such a short book? But you really can. Okay, so I'm going to start describing it. <laughs> it is an alternate reality in the past, steampunk, um, a, a reality such that the Civil War of the United States has gone in a different direction than it did in our reality. And so the Confederate States um, are like existing. This book is set in New Orleans. New Orleans is a city that has had like their own revolution and is like a free free city basically. So people from like wherever, it's like a port. So they, um, people from like, both sides, as it were, can they, like go in there, and so that's where we set the scene. And it is about a young woman; um, she's 13, named Jacqueline. So, and it's set uh, like from her point of view. She, oh, this is sad. It does have the situation in that her parents have died, um, but she she's born and she's born in the middle of like what's called like a really really big storm. So like in in the in this. Uh, at least from what I can perceive, like these storms that she describes are not something that like we get. Like, you know mm. what I mean? In our reality, it's like worse than like a hurricane. You know what I mean? Oh wow. So she is born in one of those storms and her mom always said, like, oh, you are like of the storm, like you are of Oya, which is and then another aspect of this book that is so cool is that um it really uh pulls in and like and at least to me, because I'm not familiar with it, it, it shows you all um, of different like gods and goddesses of or- Orisha. Do you, did you read the Orisha trilogy ever? Or no. I don't know if it's a trilogy yet. <laughs> um, Children of Blood and Bone, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's on my to read list. Yes. So it pulls in um, a lot of that 
those um, gods and goddesses. And so, so she cool. is of Oya. She's of the storm and of the wind. And so she, what's so cool about this book, and I think a lot of other books don't so much do this, at least so like seamlessly, is it really does like, so like if you imagine like, oh, like you have like, a goddess with you, like it, it, the, the goddess or God would like be with you like in all these moments and it would have like a, a dialogue almost, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is good or bad. Hmm. Constantly be helping you or like, you know, pointing you on a path. This is that, and I think in a lot of books, like the main character where they might have like a significant like entity person with them, they don't always talk about them very much. But this one, like it's throughout the book, like she'll encounter like different people. Oya doesn't like them, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just like immediately, you also know what Oya is. Yes, yes. Wow. But um, Oya, like Jacqueline, or she also, she calls herself Creeper. That's her like name, because she also like is a pickpocket and she's like going around and she can climb up stuff. She likes to be on high ground. Um, she has like kind of power essentially from Oya, or it's Oya's power like of wind, so she can like kind of like make. Well, like she talks about how she like uses the wind to like help her pickpocket, oh. and so Oya does not like it, and so she's like. Ah, I just have to eat, and so I was like, okay, but so it's just really interesting. So there's that aspect of the book, and it kind of all comes together because she um, see what happens is like the first few pages. This is what sets the action off, is that she sees like a gathering of people with people of the CSA, the Confederate States. They are um, fraternizing with people to try to steal this scientist to steal this weapon to uh, unleash on New Orleans that will hurt everyone and try to take over. Oh, wow. Bad news. <clears throat> Simultaneously, Jacqueline's um, like biggest yearning and like want and wish is to be a member of one of the airships. So mm -hmm. she wants to get away from New Orleans. She wants to like go travel. So she, uh, through a sequence of events, like befriends the captain of one of the airships. And like basically, this is the story. They're trying to save New Orleans, do all this stuff. It is very good. Please check it out. You can literally read it very quickly. And I can't believe I've been talking about it for like minutes now. And I'm like, how did that all fit in this little book? I know. No, they're also amazing. They really, oh, like, you look at it and you're like, there's only got to be like one storyline here. But they really oh, yeah. do get packed. And it is, it is wonderful. It's the most diverse book. Um, it is, it pulls so many themes and stories from like all different important aspects of history, especially um, to black people, people of color, um, anybody basically that is involved in the book it's so so important and so good oh i love that that sounds really good i'm definitely gonna have to add that to my ever-growing pile of books to read mm -hmm. it's very good well i read a much fluffier book well i guess not fluffy but i read the office the untold story of the greatest sitcom of the 2000s by oh andy green uh if you're an office fan this is a must read it was it was so good um, there are spoilers, so if you're late to the game like I was, finish the TV series before you read the book. Um, I only started watching The Office at like the beginning of this year, um, and then staying home helped an awful lot because I crushed through that series in like two months, and it was amazing, and I feel like I am best friends with all of those characters, even though they aren't real. <laughs> um, but the book is full of like behind-the-scenes stories, um, and there are chapters dedicated to key episodes in the series. Um, and it was really fun to hear the story of how a lot of the cast members, like, got their roles. Um, a lot of, it's funny because a lot of them just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, Phyllis, who's one of my favorite characters, was the assistant to the casting director. So 
she would read lines and then the person auditioning would read back, you know, like any kind of casting situation. And then they just kind of looked at her one day and they were like, Phyllis, do you, do you want to be an extra? She was like, oh, I guess. I <laughs> she love didn't, it. You know, it was a situation where she was just like, I don't, I've never wanted to do that, but okay. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, I it love just, that so much. Isn't and then that she awesome? Was, she was in another show too after that. So that started her off. Yeah, yeah. She had been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for a long mm-hmm. time, but then, yeah, she just happened to... She was like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll I'll be on the show, and she kind of thought it was going to be like a one-off thing, and it didn't end up being that. Um, the other person whose story is so funny is Creed, um, because he's just the strangest character <laughs> on the show. Um, and he was in a band. He's in a band um, in real life, the real Creed Bratton. That's his name... In real life, and I think on the show, his last name is Bratton, too. Um, And he happened to meet somebody, uh, I think one of the writers. Um, They met at, like, a rap party for the Bernie Mac show. (laughs) So, like, way back in the early 2000s, they just happened to meet. The writer was a huge fan of Creed and his band and let him know that. And he was like, well, hey, give me your number. And, like, if you ever have any questions, which is so weird. People don't normally, like, celebrities don't normally do that to fans. But he was like, hey, great, give me your number. And if you ever want to chat, like, just text me or call me. And so then years later, he heard about The Office starting up. And he was, he, you know, had been in contact with the writer back and forth. He recognized the name. He contacted him and was like, hey, I don't even need money from this. I just need something to do. Can I be a walk-on extra? And they were like, yeah, we need people in the background of the show to make it look like an authentic office. So sure, come on over. And he was, a, he was a background character. He had no lines. They had no intention of ever giving him any lines. And then he would just start telling all these weird stories about being in a band <laughs> in the 70s. And they were like, Kareem, you're nuts. Do you want to talk? Like, do you want to be on the show? And he was like, oh, I didn't think my stories were that crazy. So they put him on the show. And oh my goodness. a lot of the weird stories that Creed tells in his little, like, um, asides on the show are actually things that happened to him. Oh my um, so it was really good. It's just, it's a really great book. Um, I recommend the audio version of the book. Um, there are, it's an oral history book. So there are a lot of different voices constantly talking throughout the book. And it was a lot easier to hear them in the audio book because I think there were like 12 narrators. So everyone's got a little bit of a unique voice. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit easier to like keep track of who's who um, in the audio version um, and this book just reminded me of all the reasons I loved The Office. And That's so, I so wonderful. highly recommend. I do have a question. In yes. the audiobook, so you said it's like different voices. Is it like the people who experienced it or is it a reader? Oh, I wish. I wish that it was the actual people who experienced it. Um, but it is just like random okay. narrators. Okay. Well, that's still going to have different people. Though. Yeah. It was nice to kind of break up the different voices. Um, but yeah, there were so many times where I was like, I wish this was John Krasinski or I wish yes. this was... Steve Carell, but yeah. it was not. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even thinking about, I was thinking about just like people. I didn't know who, who was on oh, in the book. Oh, <laughs> I see. I didn't, re- I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> well, That's where my mind went. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so good. I yes. love The Office. Me too. Have you listened to, and this is going to be competition, but have you listened to the, the Office podcast? No, I haven't. It's funny. It's one of the podcasts that I have like subscribed to on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't do this to our podcast. Please yeah, don't, do, don't do this to Shelf Logic. 
I have it, like, favorited, but I never mm-hmm. listened to it. And, well, and I hear stories from it, like, out in, like, the world. Somebody will say, like, oh, they just shared, like, this story. And it's so unique and fun and cool, but I, I just haven't picked it up. Yeah. I Now that I've read this Office book, I probably will try to get into the podcast better. Um, because there were so many little things that I just absolutely loved and little things I didn't know. Um, especially because I watched the show so many years later. So a lot of the stories that they told were relevant and you probably knew them if you had watched The Office when it aired uh-huh. and then like continued to kind of follow it after it ended where I'm like, I don't know, was I 10 years late to the game? Like it's... it started, like I remember watching it in 2005. Yeah. So I'm way late to the game. <laughs> That's when it started though. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild. it was so long ago. And it was like, I think it was 2005. I just remember being in a certain year of my schooling, a specific year of my school. <laughs> and I remember that I was just, I had to do a report all night. And so I, it was only the first season was out. So I just played this first five episodes over and over and over. Oh. Like I was losing it. <laughs> But that's all I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I was way late to the game. So it was definitely like a lot of these stories were things that I had no idea about. They were all new to me. So it might be a different read if you watched The Office diligently and like in time with when the episodes were airing. But for me, it was like, oh, that's a new thing I didn't know. No, I don't think I know anything. So I think I should read this book. (laughs) I agree. It was wonderful. That's awesome. Well... I'll add that to my to-read list. <laughs> and then this is one you're going to want to... Actually, no. I'm, I'm most excited about this one, so I'm going to do that one last. Okay. <laughs> okay. This one, I was so shocked. Okay. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about specific brands, but uh, this is... What if you think of a Scandinavian uh, furniture retail company? <laughs> Where you build you, all your own things. You build all your own things, It's and it comes in a little box. And they got meatballs. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> well, then, you might understand this book. It's called horror store <laughs> and it literally looks like the catalog of the furniture company like literally it's the catalog yeah but things are a little creepy you might notice on the cover a picture of a ghost oh yeah um, like creepy hands creepy hands happening if you turn it over you see the same setting <gasps> with more creepy chains oh uh, it looks like hands that might not belong to people as much <laughs> Or anything, um, really. <laughs> there's creepy writing on the wall. The sofa that was once pristine and uh, sensibly priced at $299 is now <laughs> crooked and rotting. So Is it cheaper when it's crooked and rotting? No, just as much. Oh. See page 8, it says. Oh, yeah, and it t- tells you to go to which, which pages to go to. Anyways, <laughs> it looks just like a catalog, right? Yeah. It is a horror book. And it is a story um, of, so in, in this setting, it's called Orsk. The, the company is called Orsk. Okay. And it's about a specific location of Orsk and like weird things are happening in there, right? So it's mm. like haunted and the people working there find, their, their manager is like, hey, you actually have to stay here and figure out what's going on because like all, this, all these terrible things are happening. And so it's basically like chaos ensues. Um, I, um, as I understand it, we have like a main protagonist person named Amy. As far as I understand, it gets like more compelling and more weird as like, as it goes on. It, I, I don't think it's going to be so much like House of Leaves, but I feel like it has that same like tone. Like this is weird. You know what I mean? Sure. It even has like, and you can see it's printed in all blue text, which is just like a little bit different. Did you ever read House of Leaves? No, but it's on my to-read list. It's on our to-read list. So House of Leaves, I read it such a long time ago, I don't even know the whole point of it anymore. But um, the one thing in it that's unique is it's 
whenever like the word house is printed, it's not in black ink, it's in like blue ink. So it, oh. it just like anytime you see it, you're like, oh. It just what? sets you off. It, yeah, it makes you like a little bit unnerved. You're like, what? And then you're like, oh, it's blue again. <laughs> you know huh. what I mean? That's so, interesting. This is that. Um, I think it's, it's, I anticipate it just to be like a fun, like scary, spooky, like haunting read. But yeah, hopefully not too dark. Yeah, I well, can't deal with that. <laughs> you'll have to save it for next Halloween if that's the case. I know it's well. I know all my books. I'm just like, oh, it's like Halloween, but Halloween came and ba- went really fast. Too this year. quick. Too quick. Yeah. So just so, keep up the spirit of Halloween by reading uh, books that scare you. Horror story. Horror story. H O R R O R S T O R. And then in re- in reality, it has the little two dots above the O. I don't think you have to type that though. No, probably not. No. But yeah, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> that sounds fun. It came out in 2014. It's by Grady Hendrix. I uh, have a little bit of an existential fear of this unnamed furniture store. Oh, no. Uh, that I will just go in one day and never come back out because I will be lost. <gasps> That's literally... Can I... So... <laughs> it's so true. This is the first sentence of this little review. I don't... I'm just going to read it. If you spent last weekend wandering anxiously through a dizzying maze of fake rooms filled with peculiar objects and doors to nowhere... You've may have, you may have been at the manor, a triple school-rated haunted house at Fright Fest. Or you might have been at the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that, I think that book would scare me into permanently thinking that I'm going to get lost in there and never oh, come yeah. back out. But I don't know. If, if the meatballs are there, it might be okay. Oh, yum. Yeah. I'll eat that. Would you like me to read one of my want-to-reads? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Well, so I have a list on my to-read shelf on Goodreads of <laughs> over 800 books. Nice. I had to double-check that before we recorded this because I was like, no, it couldn't possibly be that high. That's good. It is indeed that high. I'll never get to all of them, but it's okay. Um, so this was a really tough pick, but my first one, um, and it's actually sitting on my coffee table at home as we speak, so I feel like it's most relevant. Um, it's called Stories from Suffragette City. Um, I will read the Goodreads little blurb because I know that I it's like it's one of those things where when you have the to read list you know that there was a reason why you put it on your to read list and you see the cover and you're like yeah I remember doing that but then you're like hmm I don't remember why I did that yeah so (laughs) this one uh stories from suffragette city it's a collection of short stories from a chorus of best-selling writers all set on the same day October 23rd 1915 in which over a million women marched for the right to vote in New York City the introduction is written by Kristen Hanna. Stories from Suffragette City is a collection of short stories from the leading voices in historical fiction that all takes place on a single day. Uh, a day filled with a million different stories and a million different voices longing to be heard. Taken together, these stories from writers at the top of their best-selling game become a chorus, stitching together a portrait of a country looking for a fight and echo into a resounding force strong enough to break even the most stubborn glass ceilings. With stories from uh, people like Lisa Wingate... M.J. Rose, Steve Barry, um, Paula McLean, a couple of authors that I, those were like the first couple that I recognized from all of my historical fiction reading. Um, so I thought that sounded really interesting. I love multi-purpose or multi-perspective, multi-purpose, <laughs> like a cleaner. Uh, I love multi-perspective books, um, especially if they're done really well. Uh, and it sounds like from that list of authors that it should be. And what better way to celebrate the 100th anniversary yes. of the 19th Amendment by then reading a book about the fight for the 19th Amendment. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And it's, like I said, it's sitting on my coffee table. The next next book I pick up will probably be that one. Is that one, is that one in a history section? Or is it... 
It's you know? actually, I was very surprised. It's just general fiction. Oh, okay, okay. I think because general it's so fiction. many voices. I don't know. Sometimes when we have those, like, multi-story books here, I feel like they end up getting pushed into just regular yeah, fiction. that makes sense. But I'm very excited. That's, That's cool. I uh, attended a book list um, webinar, and they basically just go over a bunch of new titles that are coming oh. out, and I was like, I have to have that one. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm very excited. That's sort of similar to how I found this this one. Um, not the same, though. It was in a, the one of the book magazines mm. that they talk about all the books that are coming out. So this one's a brand new book, 2020. Woo-hoo. Here we go. It is called uh, Mexican Gothic. It is written by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. And the cover, look at the cover. Do you see? I know that you can't see the cover, but Caroline can see it's the cover. It's very pretty. It's actually on my to-read list. Is it really? <laughs> Currently, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. This yeah. is perfect. I almost picked that one. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> oh, well, it would have been fun to... Well, we're still going to both talk about it, so it'll be yeah. fun. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I was on the wait list for this, and I just got it the other day. Um, I'm very excited. Have you read much of the... Um, Summaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the summaries. I I don't know what happens, but no, I know this is another one of those that I saw it and I was like, beautiful yes. cover. I must put that on my to read list. <laughs> I know it, it is beautiful. So, um, again, we have our main character, and I'm gonna try to um, not say her name wrong. Noemi, Noemi, Noemi. We are set in 1950s Mexico City. We are a um, socialite person, if we are Noemi. She's a socialite person. She um, is kind of just like going around, having fun, like maybe looking for a husband potentially, just kind of chilling. She wants to go to university, though. Mm. And her parents say to her, absolutely not. What are you thinking? I haven't read this yet. I just read a thing. (laughs) I'm telling you you about the uh, summary that I read. That's okay. They say, absolutely not. How dare you even think of such a thing? Stop it. She's like, oh, rats. She goes to a party. She gets called home from the party. Her dad says to her, guess what? I just read this letter from your cousin. And what does the letter say? The letter is almost incoherent. It is uh, concerning. It is upsetting. It is saying that she is maybe uh, losing her grip on reality. It is saying that potentially she is being poisoned. It is saying that there maybe are people on the walls. Very upsetting business. The dad says, well, I hope that she doesn't get divorced. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say it. Okay. <laughs> One of the major themes in this book, according to what I have researched, is um, kind of like sexism and being, uh, if you are a woman, why are you not getting married to this man? And so they say, we don't want a divorce in this family. Uh, Noemi, go to your cousin. Uh, make sure she's in, into her right mind. Make sure everything's fine. So she's, and then, oh, and then he bribes her. He says, do this, and you can go to the university. Ooh. Here she goes. She goes in her beautiful gowns, I assume, from the cover. (laughs) She goes to visit the, um, it is a family home. So what has happened is her cousin married this guy from this family, um, like a a white family who's moved down and has like a mining empire. Mm. So they are, she gets to the house, and it does not feel right. Things are going south. People are treating her weird. It's very bad. And apparently what I've read is it is gory. It is upsetting. It is um, spooky, haunting, mm. chilling. Of course, it's it's gothic. So I'm excited to read it. Um, I just want to make sure I haven't missed any of my interesting notes. It sounds kind of like Crimson Peak. 
Did you ever see Crimson Peak? I didn't watch Crimson Peak. That was a good one. And it was very, like, sounded, sounds very similar where uh, the main character marries this guy. They move into this creepy house. She swears that she's seen ghosts and that, yeah. like, I think it's his ex-wife in the movie, like, might be haunting the house. And everyone's like, oh, you need to get it together. Yeah, you need to get it together. <laughs> don't have a divorce upon the family. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Of course not. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, well, that reminded me to look this. Okay, so I'm reading from um, an article from NPR. Okay. They say that it's like a mashup of Jane Eyre, Mysteries of Adolfo, Dracula, Rebecca, and the sci-fi movie The Blob. So oh, I'm very intrigued. The Blob? <laughs> um, but yeah. Interesting. I, I think it's going to be dark. I think it's going to be fantastic. I those love were it already. Big shoes to fill. I know. Based on all of those two like similar reads. Oh yeah. It says on the cover, Masterful, a gloriously moody adventure, spooky, smart, and wry. Oh. So I'm very excited. I'm so glad that I have it checked out right now. <laughs> I'm excited. It's on my to-read shelf. That sounds awesome. Well, my last one um is also on my Christmas list. Ooh. So if my husband is listening. Ah. Wink wink, nudge nudge. Uh, it's called The Reading Cure by Laura Freeman. Um, the Goodreads blurb says, um, at the age of 14, Laura Freeman, the author, is diagnosed with anorexia. She had seized the one aspect of her life that she seemed able to control and struck different foods from her diet one by one until she was starving. But even at her lowest point, the one appetite she never lost was her love for reading. As Laura battles anorexia, she gradually rediscovers how to enjoy food and life more broadly through literature. Plum puddings and pottles of fruit and Dickens give her the courage to try new dishes. The wounded Robert Graves' appreciation for a pair of green gauges changed the way she thought about plenty and choice. Virginia Woolf's painterly descriptions of bread, blackberries, and biscuits were infinitely tempting. Book by book, meal by meal, Laura develops an appetite and discovers an entire library of reasons to live. The Reading Cure is a beautiful, inspiring account of hunger and happiness, about addiction, obsession, and recovery, and about the way literature and food can restore appetite and renew hope. Caroline. Period. That sounds so good. Doesn't that sound amazing? That sounds so good. It sounds so good. It sounds so inspiring and so incredible. And I really love... This is like the first book I think I have found that does this, but I really love books that talk about like the... I don't know, just like escapism and like the curing power of reading. Like there is really some kind of crazy magic in reading. Like it just, it helps a lot. Yeah. So I'm super excited to read that book. It's one that I, <laughs> I apologize to our collection development team because I've requested it twice uh, in the past like four years and both times the publisher has been indefinitely out of stock. Oh no. So I just have to be like, okay. Um, but I did find a used copy smart uh and so it did it made its way onto my christmas list again hint nudge uh so hopefully i will find that under my tree i'm very very excited that sounds like just sounds super inspiring yeah that that sounds very good oh my goodness i'm so sad that it's out of print i know yeah yeah i wonder if we can get it on ebook let's talk to them let's see let's see (laughs) that's yeah we could maybe yeah otherwise i will just get a fresh well not fresh pre-loved copy in my hands this is true yes. and actually this leads into something important that i wasn't even planning on talking about <laughs> but um you mentioned that you requested it that we get it in the system and i don't know if everybody knows you can request that we add things to our collection yes like, if you aren't able to find something and it's um something that kind of goes in line with like the collection development for the public libraries of the county 
they will try to get it for you. Yeah, yeah, request it for sure. Um, search our catalog first, like exhaust all mm-hmm. avenues of trying to find it through us. And then, yeah, um, I know that we have some um, standards for like what we select, and mm-hmm. I think they're on our website if you're curious. But, yeah. um, but you, you just yeah. go to the Ask a Librarian. So if you're on our homepage, go to the Ask a Librarian button. And then you go to uh, make a suggestion mm-hmm. or the suggest a book title movie or music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and you can do 10 a month and I take advantage can of you? that. I've never, I've month. never gotten to the 10th. <laughs> I have, I have, like I said, I have 800 books on my to read list and I have written down the ones that I know we don't have in our catalog because okay. I am just book crazy. Love um, I love books. <laughs> and so, yeah, every month when the, calendar flips and it's a new month I request my 10 and then I get back the thing you know they tell me what they can get what we can't get and then I move what we can't get over to another bookshelf I have on Goodreads called can't get from the library (laughs) so that when I get good coupons from used bookstores and things like that or from out and about and I see them I can buy them right then and there that's smart yes oh Carolyn that's so smart thank you I'm a book innovator I you got to say yeah (laughs) well that's wonderful I think that wraps up all the books we were talking about um i'm glad we got to touch on that because if you if you can't find anything in our system under the title request it i know i I just requested something recently and i think they're gonna get it yay i'm excited love when that happens but yeah all right well thank you so much for joining us today again i'm jen and i'm caroline and we hope you have a great day bye thank you for listening to shelf logic make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.